paid ads is not like, hey, we're going to start running ads. Now we are getting the results that we're looking for. We're making money. It's a marketing channel that you have to build out like anything else. And with content, you're putting in time to get results. With paid ads, you're putting in money and time to get results. And so I think that if you are inclined to build out paid ads as a channel. That's something you're interested in. That's something you want to invest in. That's something that you're you're looking to use to grow your business. I think you could go as early as saying like, I have traction because I have 10 customers or I've made $10,000. Now I'm ready to go in and develop paid ads as a channel. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Online Course Show. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins. I love online courses. I have my own online course. It's a piano course, Piano in 21 Days. I started it 10 years ago. And welcome to episode 198 of this podcast. We're getting dangerously close to that round number 200. And I don't know what it is. I mean, I I just feel like I need to do something special for the nice, even round numbers. When we got to episode 100 years ago, I brought on my wife. You know, she's one of the most special people to me. So I brought her on the podcast back in episode 100. And just, just to get her, you know, perspective on, on being the wife of, of, um, you know, the, the podcast host that you guys have listened to now. Um, some of you for all, you know, now 198 episodes, and I'm eternally grateful for that. But I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what I wanted to do for episode 200 and what I've done. I'll kind of hint at it a little bit is I'm bringing on probably the biggest name that has been on the podcast. It's a name, uh, it's a, it's a person person that most of you probably would be familiar with and I am super excited to bring that to you in in two more episodes. So I've already done the interview with this person. It did not disappoint. It's somebody that is doing really really amazing things in the online course world and plenty of other, you know, aspects of online business. So stay tuned uh, for, of course, 199. That's also going to be a good one, but 200 is going to be it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one, but also a big one is 198 because we're talking about a topic that you all ask about quite a bit. And it's something we don't talk about a lot here. And that's because I don't consider myself an expert in this area. And that is in the area of paid advertising. To a lot of us, it can feel like an easy button with our business. You might have everything else set up correctly. Remember the online course business formula we talk about. We need to have traffic, we need to have funnel, we need to have an offer, we need to have, of course, our program, our courses, our memberships, or whatever. And maybe you have all these amazing components in place. You have a world-class funnel, you have an amazing offer that people can't say no to, and you have an amazing actual program. But if you don't have that initial traffic, if you don't have the marketing, if you don't have the audience, then none of it matters. It doesn't matter if you have an incredible conversion rate, if you're not getting people into your sales funnel. It doesn't matter if your program has a 100% completion rate and literally changes people's lives if nobody ever gets into it. And so one of the areas that people struggle with most is that traffic piece. And a lot of people feel like they can just press that easy button and get the traffic with paid ads. Unfortunately, I hear way more about the story where people wasted money with paid ads rather than the story where they succeeded. People certainly succeed. I have run paid ads in one way or another in my business since 2016. So we are finding ways to be profitable with it. Some people rely exclusively on paid ads. Other people do what I like to do where it's just kind of fuel on the fire and other people aren't using it because they're intimidated by it, scared of it, they're not ready for it yet, or they tried in the past and failed. 
Well, if that's you where you maybe tried in the past and failed and it is the right time for you, then today's episode might be for you because the guest that I brought on has a very reasonable approach to ads. He says some things, he teaches some things in this episode that maybe are a little bit different and maybe this could resonate with you and maybe this is the key for you to succeed with paid ads. My history with paid ads is that you know, I started my piano business, like I said at the beginning, about 10 years ago, 2013, and it was far from an overnight success. In fact, I think one of the very first like paid coaching programs I signed up for was back in 2014, and the, you know, the mentor, the coach, one thing he suggested to me because I was struggling with this traffic thing, I was struggling with actually more than that, that I didn't realize all the the pieces and parts at the time. But one thing he said to me is like, "Look, sometimes you have to pay to play." And so it was it was pretty bad advice at the time, but he was he was suggesting that, you know, maybe maybe if I just did Facebook ads, which was all the rage in 2014, not that it's not all the rage today, but man, it was uh it was just ramping up back then. He didn't give me any direction. He didn't give me any training. He just said, Hey, maybe you should try Facebook ads. And so I wasted, uh, wasted some money. You know, it was quite a bit of money, especially back then on Facebook ads into a fairly unproven offer and, and not really a funnel. I think what I did was I had set up a live webinar, also kind of a rage back then in, uh, 2014. And I started driving traffic to the registration and I remember being at dinner with my wife uh, one night. This was before we had kids. And of course, I'm like checking my phone, checking my emails, my opt-ins. I'm like, babe, I'm getting a crazy amount of opt-ins. Like it was just like one after another. It was, I, I think that's probably the first time I hit like three figures of opt-ins in one day, email opt-ins. And looking back, what happened was, you know, my targeting was way off in I was getting these opt-ins from from third world countries for very, very inexpensive, but they were never going to be somebody to actually purchase my paid program. So it ended up being a waste of a lot of money. Most of them didn't even show up to the live webinar and so on. Clearly, I did not know what I was doing. I tried Google ads on my own a couple of times without much success. And the the failure with Google ads was I just I thought you could just like set up one ad targeting one search term and it was like super, super simple, but Google ads can actually be quite complex. And so what happened was in 2016, when I finally kind of got all the pieces together and launched my funnel for the first time, started making 10 figures, 10 figures, goodness gracious. I've never made 10 figures from my online course business. I promise you that. Um, I, if I did, I bet you guys would really be listening. Um, 10, uh, $10,000, five figures in a month. And uh, once I got to that level, I was like, you know, maybe maybe I should really try to uh, try to do Google ads right. Because for me, like I knew that people were already searching for the the problem that my course directly solves how to play piano. And so I knew like or I thought if I could get in front of those people that are actually searching for this, that, you know, we could get results. But um but maybe this time I should actually learn what I'm doing. So I took a course on Google ads on Udemy. So I paid like 10 bucks for it and it was an incredible course, but it was like 20 hours long and I had no idea the intricacies of Google ads, but I set everything up exactly like the instructor suggested. His name was Isaac Rudansky, Rudinsky, something like that. Phenomenal course. And I set everything up and it was profitable from, from day one because I actually took the time to learn how to do it correctly. But I knew that I didn't want to maintain it, you know, month to month, week to week. And so I actually outsourced, I started outsourcing to Isaac Rudinsky's, um, Google ads, you know, agency. And I've, uh, gone through a few different agencies since then, uh, AdWords, uh, Google ads contractors and whatnot, but, in one way or another, we have been running Google ads and, and Bing ads as well uh, ever since 2016. So like seven years now. Now, Facebook ads is a different type of advertising because we are actually interrupting people. It's not, we're not putting these ads in front of people that are directly searching for something. We're we're trying to do targeting and then and then pop in advertisements in the middle of their feed and whatnot. So it's a different time, type of uh, advertising and one that for Piano in 21 Days, we haven't had near as much success with. But maybe some of the things that my guest today, Bryce Gump, 
says is the reason. And so that's kind of my history with, with paid ads. We're not doing any Facebook ads right now, uh, but we are still certainly doing Google ads, Bing ads. What's interesting about Bryce's take, and, and by the way, Bryce Gump runs a paid ads agency, very knowledgeable about this. He is from Texas originally, but uh, he, he's living that digital nomad lifestyle currently in Barcelona. But what's interesting about, about his take is, first of all, he does agree that paid ads should probably be more uh, fuel to the fire, right? Start with maybe content marketing, start with some sort of organic strategies first, get that proof of concept, get some offer validation before you start throwing money at paid ads and maybe let content marketing be the the main fire and, and paid ads can be additional fuel to the fire. But what, what else is interesting is that he talks about how that same funnel that you have working for your organic traffic may not work for, for paid traffic. So you could have somebody that's you know done millions of dollars in sales using organic strategies, using a certain funnel, and then you introduce paid ads and you're trying to bring that traffic into the exact same type of funnel, it might not work. There's no guarantee there. And he's got very specific types of funnels that work best for paid ads, which you know some may surprise you. And he's gonna go over those in this episode. So this is kind of a, a paid ads 101 episode. And so with that, let's get into that full conversation with Bryce Gump of Major Impact Media. Hi, Bryce. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Where in the world are you? Uh, in Barcelona. You don't sound like you're from Barcelona. I'm not from Barcelona. I'm originally from Texas, but I moved here a few years ago. You know, got on the uh, digital nomad train for a while, traveled the world, and then settled in Barcelona. Wow. What, what what was your, what was some of your favorite spots or is Barcelona your favorite spot? And that's why you settled there. Barcelona made the top of the list. That's why I'm still here. I've been here for over four years now. Uh, but I spent uh, a good amount of time in Colombia as well, which was like a surprising place that I, I loved. I was planning on staying there for three months and ended up there for 18. The first thing I think of with Colombia is coffee. Do they have good coffee there? They have great coffee there. I imagine they A really they nice would. morning in Colombia is hanging out at the coffee shop, getting some work done. What was your what was your inspiration for the digital nomad lifestyle? Um, you know, I think pretty classic, like, you know, read four hour work week and found out these things were possible. So I I always had envisioned of building a business that would allow me to do that. How I actually ended up in Columbia though was kind of surprising. I, you know, my my lease was ending in Austin. I knew I was moving. So I thought, hey, let me go like go somewhere for a little while and and check it out. So I called an old friend of mine to say like, Hey, you know, I know you've been out of the country for a while. How is it? How do you like it? What's going on? And, um, he was like, well, we actually have a room available in our apartment. So if you just send me $400, like the room is yours next month. And I was like, well, easy enough. Let's, let's start it. Let's start in Columbia. And, um, what was going to be three months turned into 18 and, uh, haven't been back. I mean, I've been back to the States to visit since then, but I haven't lived in the States since that, that happened. Wow, amazing. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing what's what's possible. I uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of influential book, books on me. For our work week was integral to to my um to my story and wanting to start my own business as well. Uh I see I see books on your bookshelf behind you like I've got behind me and and the the only one that I can see what it actually is is one that I've read and I don't talk about on this podcast very often, but it's The Millionaire Fastlane. MJ DeMarco. Yeah. And I haven't yep. thought about that book in a while. I remember reading that book on my honeymoon and that was 2011. So we're mm -hmm. about to celebrate our 12 year anniversary. And for whatever reason, I was reading that book on our honeymoon. I read the whole thing. It's a long book. And mm -hmm. that was before I started my business. I started Piano in 21 Days in 2013. So I was still working my full-time job. I was trying to make something work. I had read for our work week back in like 07, 08. When I was a senior in uh, college, um, so tell me, tell me why you've got Millionaire Fastlane so prominently displayed there. Um, you know, I like to just kind of rotate through the ones that have made really big impacts, um, but I think Millionaire Fastlane was was really impactful for me because he really just does a good job of laying out like the type of mindset that you need to be going for. And I think that one of the things that I really took away from that book that I'm always striving towards is like how to how to build a business that creates wealth over like how to create a job for yourself. Mm 
you know, um, because he talks a lot about having leverage and thinking long-term. And I've always really appreciated that about that book because it's like very blunt, uh, but it does a really clear job of painting the picture for like, what is it really going to take to use business as a vehicle to generate wealth versus like, you know, go out and create a different job for yourself or kind of chase money uh, or anything like that. That's that's well said. The things that I remember most from that book are a little more low level and not not as important of takeaways because it's been so long since I've read it. Uh, but I remember toward the beginning him talking about seeing was it a Lamborghini he saw somebody driving a Lamborghini and that's what really inspired him. Like I want I want, and that's one of the reasons that's called like Millionaire Fastlane because he was really motivated by like I want that car. Do you remember that part yeah. toward the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was yeah, he saw some kind of car and was really motivated to like go after something like that. Um and then I think he just uses the analogy a lot of like what's the fast lane and the slow lane to get to what you want. And in this exactly. case being like, you know, business as a vehicle to wealth. Um but yeah, I think that's one of those books you can reread and get a lot from, yeah. you know. I like, need to. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I remember this is so dumb, but like I remember him talking about in the book how you, if you're trying to build a business, like you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't like have to wash dishes. Like don't, don't dirty dishes, like use paper plates and like paper forks and just throw them away. Cause that those 10 minutes you could, you could save, you should be working on your business. I'm like, this dude is, this dude is like intense, man. That's like, he's talking about like trying to kill the environment more so you can build your business, have more time to build your business. Yeah. 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 I think that's one of those things that it's funny. Like, you know, all of my entrepreneur friends think very much in that way of like, how do we optimize everything so we can spend the most time trying to build the one thing that we're focusing on. And then, you know, friends of mine that are in the entrepreneur world, they're like, why are you trying to hire someone to cook your food? And I'm like, because I need (laughs) to save 35 minutes every day. And they're like, aren't you just obsessed with working? And you're like, no, I'm optimizing. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. All right. Well, let me let me ask the first paid question, paid ads question of the day, because that's really, really why we're here. Um, so let, let's start broad for sure. Like, when should someone consider using paid ads? Yeah, great question. Um, unless you are very trained and experienced in marketing and advertising, then uh, it is a good idea to make sure that you have traction before you dive into an ad platform. You know, I think a lot of people. Um, have seen stuff online that makes them think that like ads are the first place to go to get traffic. But even like experienced professionals have a hard time starting day one with with uh, cold traffic, meaning like people that have never heard for you. So really what we look for is like um, the idea that like ads are going to amplify awesome, but you have to create the awesome in the first place. And it's really like adding fuel to the fire. So once you have traction and you know your product is selling, you know you have a good customer base, you know you're getting happy client results, and you know you have a marketing message that's powerful enough to start converting people that have never heard of you before into actually becoming customers, that's a good time to start thinking about running ads. Until then, you can get really far with hustle, content, word of mouth, actually going out and speaking to people, um, doing live events, all kinds of stuff. I would look at a lot of those channels to get from zero to one. And then ads is a great way from to go from like one to 10. Okay. Like on a scale of a scale of one to 10. So like, yeah. are there any more specifics on, on when that would be like, I, my favorite type of, of getting discovered and, um, and just marketing in general would be content marketing, right? It's a uh, organic, uh, it's an organic strategy. We don't have to, we don't have to spend money. Um, it takes longer to see results, um, depending. I mean, you can get results pretty fast on like TikTok if you do it right. But I like content marketing. Um, is that where you would advise somebody to, to start when they're when they're getting started, trying to make that first sale, second sale, third sale? And then, like, is there is there any sort of magic number? Like, hey, a hundred sales. That's when we should think about doing ads. Um, I don't know if I would say there's a, a magic number. I would say that I I would oftentimes look at like what are the skills and resources you have available and what is a number that you're comfortable with putting up because paid ads is not like, hey, we're going to start running ads. Now we are getting the results that we're looking for. We're making money. It's a marketing channel that you have to build out like anything else. And with content, you're putting in time to get results 
with paid ads, you're putting in money and time to get results. And so I think that if you are inclined to build out paid ads as a channel, that's something you're interested in. That's something you want to invest in. That's something that you're you're looking to use to grow your business. I think you could go as early as saying like, I have traction because I have 10 customers or I've made $10,000. Now I'm ready to go in and develop paid ads as a channel. That could be as early as that. Um, or a lot of our clients that we've worked with, you know, they're doing a million dollars a year in their business and they've developed that through content marketing. They've got outreach where they're doing, you know, like LinkedIn outreach and all of these types of things. And then they're like, we've pretty much capped on what we're capable of growing with there, you know, like they're still growing, but like their control over how fast they're growing is pretty capped out on those channels. And then they're like, cool. Now we're ready to invest in paid ads. And so we've come in and build their entire paid ads channel. And that's been something that's helped them add, you know, 25, 35, 40% top line revenue to their business because now they have a new channel. So I would say, depending on kind of what you're inclined to do, it could be something you look at early once you know you have traction, or it could be something that you look at as like a real scaling move once you've really got something working. So the theme I'm hearing is like validation. Like once once there's some level of validation, people have paid you money for this, maybe even gotten results from this thing, whether that's a small handful or you've been doing it a while and have gotten a lot of results. We want to have some sort of um, you know, exchange of money and results um to have a proof of concept really before we start throwing money at at ads. Is that fair to say? That is definitely fair to say. Yeah. We definitely like social proof helps and goes a long way. And when you're running ads, you are, you know, you're going to people who are like the coldest traffic that's out there. They don't know you. They've never heard of you before. They just clicked on your ad. And so you really want to make sure you've got good social proof, a good message, all of that stuff before you go start spending money on ads. And so if so, let's, let's take the example of somebody who's maybe been doing this a while, has made quite a lot of money from it all organic strategies and they come to you for help with, okay, now we want to, we've got the fire. We want to add that fuel to the fire, you know, using your analogy. Um, what all would need to be changed or modified in terms of their funnel or their messaging or anything? Like, can we just start sending paid traffic to a, an organic um, or, or a funnel that's, that's proven to work with organic, or do we need to tweak a lot to make paid ads work? Um, great question. Cause that's one of the big things that we've helped a lot of companies with. And a lot of reasons why people struggle to, to get paid ads to work, I think. And especially these days is because a lot of people have something working with organic content. So their first thought is, Hey, let's set up some ads and start driving traffic to this thing that we've created. And we often find that companies don't find success with that because ads are expensive. Um, the context at which someone is finding you is different. And so typically what we're looking for when we're starting to run paid ads is we want to build an environment where we're setting ourselves up for success. Usually what that means is setting up a funnel that's designed for paid ads, um, adjusting some of the messaging so that it's engaging enough for paid ads. And then really even thinking about too, like what are the offers and the price points that we're running at so that we can make it really easy for someone to say yes to what we're offering through paid ads. We will set up all of that. Um, and usually that doesn't mean like changing your product fundamentally, but it means looking at how we're going to package the messaging in the offer to make it a really cold traffic friendly offer. The framework that I use when I'm when I'm helping people with courses essentially boils down to like traffic funnel offer course, right? These four key components that our customer like they have to progress through these these things. And what I always tell people is like, we've got to have each component dialed in to actually succeed. And so it sounds like what you're saying is with paid ads, like if you're, if you're getting success with organic strategies on traffic and they go through your funnel and your offer and they get into your course, well, once we, once we're talking about paid ads, you can pretty much leave the course alone, but we do need to visit not only traffic, but funnel and offer, which is, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Like in, um, my intuition says if we have a a funnel that has proven itself with organic traffic, then we we can just run ads to it. It's going to work just as well or better or whatever. But you're saying that's not the case. So um, one of the first things you said was we need to put in a funnel that works for paid ads, right? So what is that? What kind of funnels work for paid, paid ads? Yeah. So, you know, what we've seen is like clients that we've worked with 
a lot of times we're able to like take the stuff that they have and just figure out the best way to repackage it. So when I look at a lot of our clients' funnels, it's like each traffic source has its own landing page that's been optimized for that traffic source. And it funnels people into the same spot. But you know, Facebook has its own landing page. YouTube ads has its own landing page. And then organic has its own entrance into the funnel. And so that's the way it looks for a lot of our clients. Um, I think that like the type of funnels that we've seen work, there's really like three funnels that we run these days. And I think even when I got started doing this, I started running ads back in 2013. Back then, ad costs were a lot cheaper. And I think uh, there wasn't as much competition, especially in our space online. And so we saw a lot of different funnels. Um, you saw people doing product launches. Tripwire funnels were a really big thing that came from digital marketer that people ran for a really long time. Uh, people would run ads just to email lists. People would just collect emails with like a lead magnet, email people. But because of the co- rising cost of advertising, I think a lot of those funnels have become more and more challenging to make profitable. And so The three funnels that we're typically looking at are either self-liquidating offer funnels. We've got webinar funnels that are pretty typical webinar funnels. And then we have high ticket sales call funnels. And I would say those are the three that we're running right now in my agency. And each one of those we've seen be profitable in different scenarios for different clients. I would say out of those three, really the two that we focus the most on are high ticket sales call funnels. If you have a a company that is has a sales team or a sales rep, and they're just trying to generate calls, and then they sell high ticket over the phone, or self self liquidating offers where you've got like a low ticket offer that you're selling through paid ads, and then you're sending people on the back end. Webinar funnels, we still run them; they still work. We found them to be increasingly more challenging to make profitable, depending on your industry, um, and we typically see those being used more and more for either entry level products or warm traffic. So once someone already gets to know you, then people getting people on a webinar to then ascend into a different product or buy a first product. Um, so those are the three, and out of those three, really even the two that that we've seen work best. Very interesting. Uh, all right, so let's go into more detail on each one of these a, a little bit. Let's start. With, let's go in the order you brought them up. So, let's talk about the self-liquidating offer funnel. We don't talk about that much on this podcast. First of all, what does that even mean? Self-liquidating offer. Yeah. So, a self-liquidating offer is a funnel that is set up with a low-ticket product, where the goal is to spend a dollar today and get at least a dollar back today. Mm-hmm. So, what we want to make it is that our ad spend is basically liquidated by the revenue that we generate from the products that we're selling. And so this is where you see, you know, if you've been online for any amount of time, you've probably seen a bunch of people who are selling $3 products, $5 products, $27 products, and they're selling them through paid ads. And oftentimes the question is like, well, how do you sell a $27 product through paid ads if you're paying $2 to get someone to click on your ad? Um, And the way that people do that is with uh, self-liquidating offer funnels. So you have a low ticket product and then typically a series of like add-ons, order bumps, upsells that then get that to the point to where the goal is my cost to acquire a customer is $35 and the revenue that I generate per sale is on average $35 or better. And then that would make it so that if you spend $1,000 today and make $1,000 in revenue, now you've at least broke even, but you've also generated new customers and you're building your list with paying customers, not with freebie seekers, who are then able to go on and buy your other products and services. So that's, if that, I'm trying to think like, you've got to have multiple products to be able to make that work, right? I mean, like with my main business, we kind of only have one product, right? We have our piano in 21 days mm-hmm. course. Is there a way that I could make this type of funnel work for me? Would I have to break out something small and try to sell it? Um, and then try to maybe upsell them to the full program, you know, multi hundred dollar program later? Or is it really just like maybe not a good fit for my business and it is a good fit for other businesses? I would, I would probably say that there's definitely a way to make it work for your business. It kind of becomes a question of like, how do you want to look at it? So uh, I've seen your product and you do a really good job of like already having a good amount of like add-ons, bonuses, all this really good stuff that you have on your through your product. And so rather than like mutating your current product and making it so that people who come through paid and organic are getting different things, um, you could probably look at like different ways that you could position uh, or like add, create little add-ons for what people are doing. So um, I, one thing I would think about for you, and I saw that you already had this in your site, but I think you have like a get started in five days sort yeah. of thing. 
Yeah. Um, so that is something you're giving away for free. That is probably something that you could find a way to like bundle with some other free content that you've created and make a little package that's like, learn how to play piano in five days for $5. And maybe that comes with like um, the five day kit. It also comes with, you know, 35 of our most popular songs that we like. It also comes with um, some free, like, you know, how to fast start, you know, get your first song played in 48 hours sort of thing. And so you could look at a few different things you could bundle so that that five that learn to play uh, in five days could be like something worth at least five bucks. Um, and so there you have like your core offer that I think could probably be pretty enticing, right? Like, I think there's a good number of people who would be willing to pay $5 to learn how to play piano in five days. I saw a product the other day that was doing really well. That was like a learn how to draw in 10 days. So it's, you know, pretty common to get this, like learn a good skill in a very short period of time. Um, now you're probably not going to get rich selling that for $5, but you would be (laughs) looking for, okay, what are some other things that people might be interested in? learning that would make sense while they're learning to play the piano this quickly. So there might be like a chord shortcut guide that you could think about creating. And a lot of this is probably like stuff that you've thought about, maybe taught on a webinar, um, done in different places that you just haven't thought about, like how to package with a product like yours. But um, you know, maybe there's like a chord shortcut or some kind of guide. And that would be what your like add-on could be. That could be like the first add-on. So it's like you can get the core product for $5 or you can get the shortcuts guide and the core product for, you know, $17, $20. And then I'm sure we could come up with one or two upsells that you could probably sell for like 35, 50 bucks in that sequence with the goal of getting the average order value to be, you know, somewhere around like 40, 45 bucks. Um, and so that way we could create a little bundle that people could go through in that sequence and purchase. And then the idea would be they get such a good result out of that, that a number of those people are just going to go on to buy the full course, which I think is $9.97. Is that correct? Yeah, regularly priced. And then it's the the our urgency within our funnel currently is a discount to $7.97. Okay. Yeah. So you could do that exact same thing um, through paid ads. If we had something like a self-liquidating offer on the front end, and we could creatively come up with what are some products that you either have that we could reposition or what are some little bonuses or things that we could create that would make it so that, I mean, imagine if you could spend $500 a day on ads, you could get exactly $501 back at the end of that day. So your credit card is just spending and paying itself off. But every day you've got 25 new people who are consuming your five-day piano course, and a percentage of those people would ascend into the full product. And you could make them the same offer you make everybody else. Hey, you know, if you want to get the full product within the next 14 days, because you just bought our five-day thing, we'll give you this, you know, 20, 25% discount. And if you don't, the product's always available and it's there for $9.97. You make it sound so easy, Bryce. It it sounds great. It's, It's... What about like, is... Do people feel like it's a bait and switch when they go through something like this, whether it's at the level of like upsells, like, oh yeah, I'm going to grab this thing for $5 and the next page, there's something for 35 or once I'm on the inside, now he's trying to get me to buy something for $800. Like, is there any sort of like scamminess? Like this feels like a bait and switch. If you structure it correctly, it shouldn't be a bait and switch because I think we've all seen a funnel online that goes through the sequence of hey, you bought this thing, but now that thing's not complete. You know, like now you need this to make it complete. And I think that's where people feel like there's some kind of, you know, like they're, they got they got left out on something, but it shouldn't be a, this got left out. It should be a logical sequence of you got what you paid for and here's what's next. You know, I can tell you for a client that we're getting ready to launch right now, we just built one of these funnels for them. Uh, the core product is a mini course that's like a three-hour mini course. The upsell, the course contains everything you need to get educated about what you are looking for. The upsell are templates so that you can do everything that you bought, but you can do it faster. We're giving you the templates that have already been proven to work. Now, you still have the education within the course. It's all there. Everything we promised is within the thing that you bought. Now, we're offering you speed. 
you know? And then the next thing is that we will offer to review all that information for you if you want to get on a call with us. And we will actually give you free advice on that call. Now, if you're blown away by any of the things that you receive, there's a good chance that you're probably going to want to continue to work with us. And that's where we will offer to sell you the actual one-on-one coaching program where you will get one-on-one help. And so none of these things are like, hey, you bought this thing, but it's not complete. Now you need something else. Everything is the next logical step of like, okay, you got everything you paid for. But if you want better, faster, more help, we also have those options available, which I think is you know how most businesses operate. That's how most businesses through organic content operate. It's just that in a paid traffic environment, you're having to deal with the fact that you have really a tort- short attention spans. So it's like, how can we start and make it as easy as possible to say yes in the beginning and then give people the option to ascend um, and try to make that while people are most interested, which is like, they just pulled out their credit card and paid. So can we like make all the offers that we need to make that make the most sense right now? And then do you really run these funnels where the initial offer is only $5? Like that's that's so inexpensive. Yeah, we've seen them be as low as $3 and wow. then we've seen them be as high as like 47.50 bucks. I think once you start getting into like 47.50 bucks and really a lot of this depends on your market. Like you're in a market of learning how to play piano. You're the the reality is like the average amount of money that someone's probably going to spend learning how to play piano is way less than the average money that someone's going to spend learning how to up level their business you know and so when i'm talking about a lot of this you know a lot of what we work with is with people who are like making the offer to make more money through like whatever vehicle that you already have because we're working with people who are business owners and so in those cases like yeah you can totally sell a $27 product and then upsell someone to a $10,000 program but for yours you know if you're dealing with something like music or like fitness or like relationships something like that those numbers are going to be lower but the 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 sequence is still there you know and if the average value that someone might spend for you guys is like 3000 in music or 1000 in music where in you know business it might be a higher number there's still like the economics you can work out to figure out okay cool how do we need to sequence this and how do we need to order this in order to make this work because a lot of what you're trying to do especially with these funnels is how do you engineer the economics in your favor so that you can make it work so that you can spend money to get new customers and you don't want to spend money and lose money you know like that's not the goal so um, a big part of the the initial part of working all this out is like figuring all of this out. Like what are the offers and price points that we need to run at to make this work for everybody? All right. So that's the first, that's the first funnel, self-liquidating offer. It's it's really interesting. I mean, can can this ever work for organic or is this a specifically a paid ads tactic? Um, you could definitely like put one of these funnels on your website and make it work for sure. Um I know companies that have for the most part, gotten rid of freebies and use low ticket products for people to join that like get on their list for the reason that, you know, like a lot of people have found, Hey, you know, like if I put a freebie lead magnet up on my website, I'm generating a bunch of leads. I also have to pay my email service to host all those leads. So, you know, as your email list gets larger, your bills get larger as well. And a lot of people see that they don't get a huge conversion rate, especially with the organic traffic. Like I knew some guys, they had a huge list, but like the vast majority of people opting into their stuff were from India because they just had a ton of traction on YouTube in third world countries. Um, and so that's a real thing that people consider. And so what people have done is like, Hey, instead of getting on my list for free, like you need to spend $3 to join, you know? Um, and those actually convert because people who are willing to spend three bucks are oftentimes better people have on your list and they, you have a higher percentage of it ascending into a higher ticket customer. Yeah. makes sense. All right. So the second type of funnel you mentioned was a webinar funnel. That's, that's my go-to. That's my main one I recommend to people. And, but, but my normal recommended traffic sources are more organic, typically content marketing. Um, but that can work really, really, really well. Um, in fact, most of the people in my coaching program, um, I will have them, you know, if they don't have a webinar funnel already, I'll have them put together a webinar funnel and a killer webinar and then all the emails and everything that goes along with that. So you did mention that one. You mentioned it's not in your top two favorite ones for paid ads. But so let, yep. let's go, let's go there next. When can a webinar funnel work for paid ads? So my experience with webinar funnels, um, we ran a ton of them many years ago. So I would say three years ago. of the funnels that we ran were webinars and they worked incredibly well for a really long time. 
But I think what a lot of industries experienced in with webinars was like saturation, where it became so easy for anybody to put up a webinar. And there were so many people out there teaching, like the way to do a webinar is to get on, tell people a big story, don't really educate. You know, one of the big educator webinar educators was like, don't really teach them anything, you know, like get them, get them looped into to what you have to offer and then sell them, but don't really teach them anything. And um, so that's what a lot of people experience. And so, especially in a lot of the markets we operate in, people just got tired of showing up to webinars. So what we saw was um, where we used to get webinar registrations for two, three dollars, that became twenty, thirty dollars. And where we used to get forty five percent show up rates, that became twenty percent show up rates. And so people just had to keep figuring out how to try to make webinars work with paid traffic. Again, like the big difference with organic and uh, paid is you're just dealing with like a different context level of people. So, you don't have someone who's been consuming your content, watching your videos, has some trust with you, wants to know more about you and jumps on a webinar. You have someone that saw an ad, clicked on it, went to a landing page, opted in, and now you got to get them to show up. Um, and so I think what just happened in a lot of markets is they got really saturated and people stopped showing up. And so made it just really hard to make webinars profitable kind of at the end of the day. And are we talking like w- when you say webinar funnel, are you thinking live webinar, evergreen, or either one? We ran both. And um, we we actually have clients that run live webinars right now, but most people do evergreen. So, you know, it's like an auto recorded webinar that is, you know, available every day or 15 minutes or however they have it set up. Um, I would say that's the majority of what people are running, but I would consider both in this in this uh, category. I think live webinars are actually harder for a number of reasons. So, um, yeah. So let's, I want to zoom out with, with another question before we dive back in, like, cause we keep talking about just paid, like this blanket term paid ads, but not all paid ads are created equally either. So what, what platforms do you help people on? And is there a difference in how we would approach uh, you know, what kind of funnel, what our pricing is, and so on, depending on whether, you know, it's the traffic's coming from Facebook or YouTube or TikTok ads or whatever. Yeah. We focus mostly on Facebook and Google. So that would include, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube. Those are the big platforms that we run ads on. Um, and there would be some considerations depending on what platform we're on. So if we were going on to a new platform, you know, like I said, when we were running on Facebook and we decided to go to YouTube, one of the first things we do is duplicate the front end of the funnel. So maybe that's a landing page or a sales page, whatever that is. And now that becomes like sales page for YouTube. Um, and we'll start with the funnel that we're running on Facebook, but sometimes we see that different funnels uh, work better on different platforms. Oftentimes what we find is like the core, everything works to the most for the most part. And what we just have to do is figure out how to repackage the messaging. You know, with Facebook, it's text and images that works really well. And then when we go to YouTube, we have to figure out how do we get that text and image and put it into a video. And so that's a lot of stuff we do on the creative side. Um, there are some considerations. Yeah, again, just depending on what platform it is. But typically, what we'll do with clients is start with one platform, optimize that platform to make it profitable. And then once we have that dialed in, then we'll work on the next one. So we're always kind of working on each one individually as we go forward. I would have to imagine that there is a, there is definitely a difference in the in the quality of the traffic in terms of if we're doing like interruptive ads like on Facebook where they're not necessarily there's no there's no search intent um, like somebody isn't necessarily searching for how to play piano and then boom, they get a how to play piano ad versus they go on Google or YouTube and they're literally typing in how to play piano, how to learn piano fast. And then they see our ad, right? You yeah. you notice a difference in that type of traffic, whether it's interruptive or not? You know, what we've seen time and time again is like, for different clients, sometimes Facebook and Instagram is the better platform. And for other clients, sometimes YouTube is the better platform. And I think it has a lot more to do with the people that you're going after and where they spend the most time on the platform. Because at the end of the day, like YouTube ads, yeah, they have some search intent behind them, but it's still an ad popping up on people. And YouTube recently removed like the, a lot of the 
the specific targeting that used to be available with keywords and placements. And so while your ads can still show up on that, they're also showing up on more broader videos, not exactly when someone is typing in for those type of keywords. So a lot of times it depends on, again, like the audience that we're going after, the age demographics, what type of offer we have. What is a good what is a good ROI? Like when you're working with somebody like, is there, are you shooting for just as long as it's more than one? Are you shooting for two or three? Like, what would you consider a good ROI? Yeah. Um, I think it depends a lot on the company's goals and also what is their, come on, Bryce. Like. I want like one answer. What <laughs> one answer. <laughs> you know, dry. Like, one really good example is like, you know, you see people post like screenshots a lot on the internet, you know, like, hey, look at this ad. I got a seven ROAS, you know, like for every dollar I put in, I got $7 back. Yeah. Um, if you do that with $20, you have what, $140? Yeah. Now, if you spend $30,000 with a two ROAS, so that means you get $2 back for every dollar you put in. Now you have $60,000. And so like, which one would you take? Would you take like the seven ROAS at $20 or would you take the two ROAS at $30,000? Are you asking me? Yeah. I want I want secret option three where I'll, all my traffic is organic and I'm still making 60K and I get all of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the things that a lot of people run into is organic traffic is a slower level of growth, especially if you're starting out for a lot yeah. of people and people have less control. And so, you know, for someone like you, that's been online for a while and you've built this organic platform, I can see how for you, there's a huge appeal to, Hey, I just want it to all be organic, organic because I don't have to pay for this traffic. You paid in time, but you put in that time in the past for a lot of people coming in who are getting started they have slower growth with organic traffic. They don't have as much control. And so what they choose to do is build out paid as a channel. And that channel is what feeds the business with growth and with revenue so that they can invest in content over time. Like one of the things we always tell our clients to do is invest in content. It's like, you know, the long-term goal is I want to own the brand, the media platform, the audience. I want to own everything. But if you can put the systems and processes in place to make that happen to where you have cash flow in two or three months versus you have cash flow in six or eight, you know, like go with the faster option. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that, uh, one area, one, t- one place like people can get in trouble is like, maybe they're getting like a 1.2 on their ad spend and it feels pro- profitable. Even if you're spending 20 grand and then you have a 1.2, uh, return. Okay. That feels profitable, but then there's expenses, there's software, there's, you know, possibly team and whatnot. And you could still just be like breaking even on the business. So I do feel like there needs to be like, I mean, like you said, it depends on how much we're actually spending because a, a two ROI is a lot different, whether we're, if we're spending 1000 or 1 million, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what is, I guess, What's the what's the range that you know when you have a good campaign going? You know you're working with a client. Uh, is it like between like one and a half and like five? Uh, can you can you even get that high? You can definitely get that high. Um, we've had campaigns where we're spending like thirty thousand a month and we're getting high as like five ROAS. Um, again, a lot of that's going to depend on like the back end. So depending on how high your kind of ascension goes with clients, that number might change for you on what you're willing to accept on the front end. I do agree with you that I think, you know, companies need to have a better control of their financials. A lot of people look at like, what's the ROAS in the platform? And they look at that at face value and they think like, oh, this is good or this is bad. But we really need to take into consideration, like, what are your costs to deliver? What is your lifetime uh, value of a client? How quickly do you make that money back? Then you can make all those decisions to decide what's a good one for you. To give you just a straight number, Two is a number we're usually pretty happy with. And five is a number that we're like excited about. You know, like cool. five is amazing. But as you scale, you're always going to get less dollars back because it's just the reality of like going to a broader audience. And so we have clients that, you know, they spend $30,000 a month. They get like three to $4 back for every dollar they invest with us, which they're usually really happy about. Um, and then we have clients that are spending, 
you know, $50,000 a month, they get $2 back for every dollar they get back with us. But we're in charge of helping them grow their front end and they have back end products that mm-hmm. they ascend people into. And so if they can make, you know, after all agency fees and stuff is done, they're making 30, 40, $50,000 with us. And then everything else they make on the other end is, is, uh, is on the back end. Like they're happy with that too. So I just want to clarify for the audience, you've mentioned ROAS a few times and just in case anybody's like, what, what is he saying? ROAS? What is that word? That's that's an acronym, return on ad spend, right? So yep. I keep saying ROI. Um, uh, ROI, when you're working with an agency, would I would say includes like the agency's fee, whereas yep. ROAS is straight, just like, what are we spending on ads versus what are we making back in revenue? Is that fair, fair to say? Yeah, that's a fair to say. So a lot of screenshots you'll see online or uh, agencies you'll hear about will talk about ROAS, return on ad spend. And again, that's a very pretty like surface level number because that's taking into consideration like how much revenue are you generating for every dollar you spend? Uh, but you definitely want to take into consideration what is your cost in software? What is your cost on your agency? What is your cost if you have any cost to deliver that product? So you want to take into consideration all of that stuff uh, and really look at like what is the gross profit that's available after you have taken out all expenses uh, what are you actually left with as a business? Perfect. All right. So I got us on big tangents and whatnot. I haven't forgotten about that third funnel that you mentioned. So the third one was, I think you called it just high ticket sales calls. Tell me about that funnel. Yeah. This is a really common one in the coaching space. And it's probably way more common in the paid ad space than in the organic space. But a lot of companies, especially when they're focused on like revenue generating offers, whether that's like business, make money online, anything like that, uh, will just sell straight high ticket. So you have people who are clicking on an ad and eventually starting with the first product being like three, five, seven, ten thousand dollars. Um, I remember when I first started running ads, I was thought it was like mind blowing that someone would buy a $5,000 product off an ad, but it happens all the time. Um, but the way this works is you have a funnel that is driving people to a sales call. So you're not actually selling a $5,000 product straight off a sales page. What you're doing is you're typically driving someone to a video sales letter, a VSL or some kind of video presentation. That's basically driving people to book a call with someone on a sales team. And you have either one person or a team of closers who get on the phone with people and close them into high ticket products. And it's really common to, yeah, you have a, a team of uh, a sales team of closers. So those are the people talking on the phone. And it's even more common these days to have uh, two roles on a sales team. So you'd have setters and closers. Closers are the people who take sales calls. And then setters are people who just reach out to everyone who opts into the funnel and tries to get them on the phone with the sales team and see if they're a good fit for the program. That sounds like a that sounds like a funnel for somebody with a, a nice size team. Like, um, I know most of the people I work with don't really want to do sales. Like, they like the idea of making multi thousand dollar sales, but don't really want to do sales calls themselves. Could possibly have you know a salesperson or sales team one day, but you probably when when somebody um, is interested in that, they probably like already have you know setters and closers, sales teams, and and have done lots of of sales already. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with like really sales focused organizations. So um, if your goal is to build an online course because you want like a lifestyle business and you don't yeah. really want to talk to people on the phone and deal with anything like that, building out a sales team is probably not the best fit for you. Um, but you have tons of organizations where their goal is aggressive growth. And uh, nothing grows a company more aggressively than having a team of people who are like commission-only sales reps, and they make a living selling stuff over the phone. And you have a lot of companies like this that grow quite quickly because they've got you know four or five guys who are commission-only sales reps, and they're selling five thousand dollars products over the phone. Yeah, I think the majority of this audience would fall into the the first category where they're looking for more of a lifestyle business, and that doesn't necessarily fit well. Um, with that. So, but I do think that the the details you gave about the self-liquidating offer would appeal to a large por- portion of the audience. I think yeah. a lot of people they're they're the wheels are probably spinning in their head like how could I make that one work for me? Yeah. I think if your goal is to be more on the like, you know, like what you said, they want to have um more of a lifestyle biz- but balance. They want to not have to get on the phone with people who aren't interested. I think the self-liquidating offer is probably the best way to go for a lot of people because uh, for a lot of creators, 
you've got a bunch of stuff already laying around. You know, you've probably got a bunch of content that you don't give out anymore. You have a lot of stuff that you give away that's really valuable that you're not actively promoting. And so again, a big part of that is like figuring out how do you package this? What are the price points? Um, how do you set up one of these funnels to make this work? But if you can get it working, it can be a great way to grow your business. And also, if you do have some type of high ticket backend and you're like, mm, I don't really want to get on the phone with people, but you know, imagine someone's already a customer of yours. They've gone through some of your products. They absolutely love what you do. And they're interested in buying your $5,000 product. You know, Then you're dealing with someone who is really qualified, really interested, and you have a much lower volume of people that you're talking to, but the people you're talking to are like super hot prospects, you know? Um, and that's one of the big benefits of having one of these like low ticket offers. Yeah, very cool. Um, let's talk about tracking because I know there is in the past couple of years, like iOS updates have caused tracking to be a little more complicated. Are you using any special tools for tracking or, or how are you making sure the data that you're getting is accurate? Yeah. I think that's a big thing for all companies going forward is figuring that out because um, at the end of the day, like one, your ability to make decisions is based on your data and how good it is. Two, the other thing to consider is like the ad platforms are all algorithm driven. And so their ability to make decisions on who are the right people to show your ads to is based on the quality of the data that they have. And so it's really important to make sure that you have a really good tracking system in place and also a really good system to like send good data back to the ad platforms. So the way that we do that is with all third-party tools these days. Um, we never, we always go into a new client and set up all of the platform pixels, tracking pixels. So if you're on Facebook, the Facebook pixel, if you're on Google ads, um, they have their own tracking pixels. We always set all of that up because we want to make sure we're sending the platforms as much data as possible. But then we also have third-party tracking platforms that we're using to make sure that we have the best data possible. And we're constantly making sure that we're running that platform, making sure the ads have all their platform data. And then at the end of the month, uh, or depending on how big your business is and all, how often you want to do it, making sure they're like reconciling all of that data so that we're always looking at real numbers as we're making decisions on what we need to do. You mind giving me a, a name of one of these third-party tracking platforms? Yeah. The one that we use today that we really like is called Hyros. Um, yeah. It's just a really good platform for for ad tracking. Um, we used to use a different one in the past. We moved everybody to Hyros. We've been really happy with it for, for now. They just do a really good job. Uh, and I saw they just got acquired. And so you would assume that. Oh, really? That happens. Yeah. They just got acquired for, I think, like $500 million. Golly. Uh, yeah. I know that's yeah, Alex yeah. Becker that created that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. They just had a huge exit, um, but they got bought by a big company. So you would assume that that level of investment means like the product is going to keep developing and getting better, which is one of the reasons we moved to that platform after iOS 14 happened. We had a different platform we used for this before, um, but we just like, we're not really happy with like how quickly they were innovating on the iOS 14 stuff. Cause that really caused a, a big bump in the road for all our campaigns. And Hyros was super on it. So we moved everyone to Hyros. We've been super happy with it ever since. Um, we've got pretty much everybody on Hyros. And um, there's no such thing as like a 100% accurate tracking platform, but Hyros has been pretty good, uh, pretty close to that for us. Nice. Any any other tools just in general you recommend as an online business owner? Um, you know, I think, you know, a couple of the things that we're always looking for that we set up with all of our clients is like, we want to make sure we have really fast loading landing pages. So when we're setting up new funnels for paid ads, uh, one of the big impacts for paid ads is, is how fast do your landing pages load. So we're always looking for like really fast landing pages, which, you know, we have funnel builders that do that. The one that we use is called Convertry and it's just a, a funnel builder that's built for landing page speed. So like most funnel builders out there, it does pretty much all the same things. Uh, but their big thing is like they focus a lot on making sure everything loads really fast. So that's our funnel builder that we build everything out on. Uh, Hyros is our tracking platform that we use for everything. And then, you know, our big focus outside of that is like create really great ads because nothing makes you stand on the ad platform like creating great ads. And so um, there's a really cool platform called foreplay.co that allows you to save ads that you found online. And so like, we're always building really big swipe files. So mm. if you're running to run ads on Facebook or TikTok, you can use Foreplay to save ads and build a swipe file. That way, if someone takes an ad down, you've already saved it. So you have that available later. 
Um, and then there's another one called VidTao. And VidTao is ran by a really big YouTube ads agency where they basically just collect and store all of the YouTube ads that they can see running. And they can track how many views that they have. And one of the things with ads is people don't spend a lot of money on ads that aren't making money. So if you see an ad that's got a million views and it's been running for a year, you can be pretty good that, you know, you assume that that that's been doing pretty well for them. And so you can just save all of those ads. So we use those two platforms to build really big swipe files from, from different ads that we've seen online. How do you spell that second one? Was it Vital? Vidtao. So V-I-D-T-A-O.com. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, Bryce, just a couple more questions for you here, man. This is, this has been really great and insightful. Um, next question would be like, you're the fact that you, you have an ad agency is, is not unique in and of itself. Lots of people, um, whether they're, you know, individual freelancers or you have, you know, a big team, whatever. Um, so as, as a, an ad agency, you know, founder, CEO, like what makes you guys different than others? Yeah, we really focus on two things. One, we stay very focused on digital products. So a lot of ad agencies out there try to be very full service. And that puts them in a position to where they're just really spread out into different markets. And um, we just focus on people selling digital products. So we know this market really well. Um, and we understand what's going on with there. And we keep up with all the evolutions that happen in that industry, specifically with what people are using, doing to, to make ad paid ads convert. The other thing for us is we'll pretty much touch anything that happens on the ad platform, like to make ads convert. And so um, a lot of ad agencies that you'll run into, they don't do creatives, meaning they don't actually make your ads for you. Um, they will run your ads, but they won't do anything past once someone clicks on that ad. They kind of, you know, that's on you or someone else that you work with. The companies that we work with, we really come in and become like the partner that just makes their ads a converting channel for them. So that will mean coming in, we will set up funnels or landing pages if we need to. We will create all the ads. We will optimize all the ads. We will run all the ads. Um, and then we will set up email marketing systems and whatever we need to do on the back end to make sure that those ads convert. And so for us, we really see ourselves as someone who comes in and just like owns the entire front end acquisition of paid ads. And that's been what's able to help us make our clients grow the most. And you know, most of our clients that end up sticking with us um, work with us for two, three years because we'll come in and just build out that entire process for them and run it for them so that they don't have to think about it. You know, I talk with a lot of business owners who are like, "Hey, you know, our ads are working great, or we'd love to run ads. I'm just tired of being the person that has to think about everything. You know, I have to come up with a strategy. I have to tell everybody what to do." If something goes wrong, I have to follow up with them. Um, and our clients are really able to just like, you know, say, hey, you know, we want to run paid ads. Um, we take a, you know, with our uh, clients, we we take a percentage of what we generate for them. So we kind of come in as partners and just say, cool, we're going to make paid ads work. Um, we get a percentage, we grow it out. And uh, that creates really good long-term relationships for us. Who for you is just like a perfect client? Yeah. Um, Really a perfect client for us is someone who has a high ticket backend. And so we can design a lot of stuff on the front end to make the acquisition work. So again, we've got self-liquidating offers that we run. We've got webinar funnels that we run. We've got high ticket sales call funnels that we run. All three of these that I've told you, we run. Um, but the thing that makes all of them work is somewhere on the back end, there is a three, five, ten thousand dollars product that someone can buy because that's what makes it so that we can really scale the paid ads and um, maximize everything we're doing on our end. And so people who have that high ticket backend and then are really looking to grow, you know, like it's especially for us coming in and oftentimes taking a percentage of of what we're doing. It's like we don't want someone who's like kind of looking to set stuff up and, you know, let it make a little bit of money on the side. Like we we find companies that really want to grow and then we build it out for them. In my experience, it's hard to charge that level of money with, with if we're not teaching how to make money in some way, right? Yeah. So a lot of a lot of listeners and whatnot don't necessarily teach how to make money. They're teaching hobbies, you know, photography or or piano or guitar or cooking things like that. So it's it's kind of hard to have such a high end offer, high ticket offer. Um, do you do you have clients like that? 
most of our clients are teaching like business, make money. Like that is the big majority of of um of who we're working with. But that said, like we've worked with people who are in the uh, fitness space. We've done some hobby stuff. And I think that um, once you're dealing with like, you know, if you're in the hobby space or instruments or something like that, that number is lower for sure. You know, like someone's not going to spend $10,000 learning how to play the piano, but there's definitely companies out there who are charging two, three thousand dollars for like a more one-on-one touch to like teach someone how to play guitar or piano. And you don't have to build a business that is solely focused on that. But typically what we've seen with companies that we work with is like, there's usually a portion of people who are looking for a higher level of service and a higher level of help. And so if you can offer that ascension, then you can move customers, you know, you can build like this high ticket customer base. Um, and when I say high ticket, like maybe for you, that's a thousand or 2000. But I think that oftentimes when you're growing a company, like, you know, if you've got a product that you're selling for 200 bucks and that's the max amount of money someone can spend with you. And you've been doing that for 12 months, two years, there's probably a big opportunity in your business to just figure out like, who are the portion of people that have bought that thing that are looking for more help and would like to continue working with you? Because adding that next level is oftentimes a great way to grow a business versus trying to figure out how to just go out and find more customers to spend the 200 bucks. Very cool. All right, Bryce. Um, been a pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on and sharing a little, uh, little paid ads knowledge with us. Um, where can people connect with you if they, they, they want to learn more from you or possibly work from, with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, our website is majorimpactmedia.com. So you can go to majorimpactmedia.com. Uh, check us out there. We also create a ton of educational content. And so um, you can find all of it on our website, or if you go to YouTube and just search Bryce Gump, B-R-I-C-E-G-U-M-P. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where we make a ton of content just about everything we're doing at the agency. What are the type of funnels that are working for us? How do we launch campaigns? How do we think about ads? All of that stuff. Um, and we like, you know, really try to create a lot of content just to help people get started because we know that like that's oftentimes the hardest thing to do is to figure out how to get started. So it's just kind of an inside look of what works for us. Um, so I'd say YouTube is the best place to learn from us. And if you want to learn anything more about the agency you're working with us, the website would be majorimpactmedia.com. Very cool. Major major media, uh, majorimpactmedia.com. Sorry, started that's to butcher it. it, but I got it. I got it. Usually I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Bryce, thank you, you so I'm much, sure man. I'm sure we can write it down too. <laughs> yeah, it will be in the show notes for sure. Majorimpactmedia.com. Bryce Gump, thank you so much. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, well, I kind of butchered that right at the end, but it's majorimpactmedia.com. Thank you so much to Bryce for coming on and, and sharing such uh, great information. Thank you all out there for listening to another episode. This is, like I said at the beginning, episode 198, getting dangerously close to that 200 where we're gonna have a pretty cool guest on. So if you want to find any uh, show notes or links from today's episode, you can find that at oc.show slash 198. That is gonna put another episode of the online course show in the books. We'll see you next time. Oh,